So turn with me over to Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. We, we will read this scripture. So Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12, uh, written by King Solomon, David's son. Um, and, and it's one of the books, what we call wisdom. And, and Solomon gives us a lot of great knowledge in this book. Um, as he also writes Proverbs and the knowledge that we receive there. But we're going we're gonna to focus on uh, one aspect he talks of here. But, but we're talking about our vision and values, our vision of walking towards Christ uh, with our community, moving towards Him. We're taking steps, the appropriate steps, the, the right steps in our life, in our church's life, to, to move towards Christ. But we're not trying to do it alone. We're not trying to just do it by ourselves. We're trying to do it with our body of believers, and we're trying to do it with our community. We want our community to come along with us. We don't want to leave them behind and say, hey, they can figure it out on their own. When they get it figured out, they can come and join us. No, we want to help them make those first steps in their walk towards Christ. We want to see them be saved. And we've talked about some values, some ways that we can do that over the past few weeks. We talked about using our gifts, that we all have gifts, that we all have abilities that God has given us, and that we're not just supposed to hoard those or hide those, but we are called to to use those things. We, we talked, um, we're talking about several others over the next couple of, of weeks, but today I want us to talk about building relationships. We can fulfill our vision by building relationships. So we're going to read this scripture here in Ecclesiastes 4, chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. Very familiar scripture. It says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their efforts. For if either falls, his companion can lift him up. But pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. Also, if two lie down together, they can keep warm. But how can one person alone keep warm? And if someone overpowers one person, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. Very familiar scripture. The scripture is used quite often in, in marriage ceremonies. Uh, it, it's used quite often when two people are being married to talk about how when two people come together, the benefits of marriage. But it's not just solely talking about marriage here. It's really just talking about the benefits of being in a relationship and in a, in a connection with people. But, you know, as I read and look about relationships, we might think, well, the Bible doesn't really talk about relationships. But what I found is that God is very interested in relationships. We can look at the Bible and see how God uses relationships to feel, fulfill and use it uh, for key parts of His plan. Very beginning, the Bible talks about the Godhead, that there was God and there was the Son and the Holy Spirit. That Trinity, that relationship there is very key to what we believe in, who we are as Christians. And then we have Adam and Eve in the garden, how they came together and, and out of them came every other living uh, person that's ever come about in this world. Abraham and Isaac shows us what the, the idea of sacrifice and how God sacrificed his son just like he asked Abraham to do with his son. We also see Moses and Joshua as this mentor and, and, and mentee kind of thing where Moses is leading the people but God is preparing Joshua in this relationship to then lead the people onward through the promised land. We see in Esther and Ruth these examples of God's love and God's faithfulness. And Job and his friends, we also have that relationship. Sometimes relationships aren't the greatest things but they're, they're relationships that God can use to teach us things. David and Saul and David with Bathsheba, two very key instrumental relationships 
in Scripture that really teach us about relationships, that David wouldn't be who he was unless he had the, the, uh, the uh, relationship with Saul that he had, that, that animosity that was there between Saul and David, that David wanted, didn't want anything bad for Saul, but Saul was always attacking him. That relationship helped David grow. But also we see David's relationship with Bathsheba is what brought Solomon into um, the mix, and Solomon was the one that ultimately built the temple for God. God uses relationships to fulfill his plan. And we get into Hosea and Gomer. It's a relationship that God uses to illustrate His love for His people. Even though we are unfaithful, even though we make mistakes, even though we, we fall sometimes and we're not who we ought to be, God still loves us. He still loves His people. We see the relationship of Mary and Joseph, unconventional. Joseph really had to come to a point where he was okay with what was going on. Their relationship was very important because that is who Jesus came through. is through Mary and then ultimately Joseph was his earthly father, on this world. We see the relationship with Jesus and the disciples, how that relationship, how it changed the disciples, how it made them who they needed to be to fulfill the purpose that God had for them. Then the relationship between the disciples just themselves. Sometimes it was great. Sometimes it wasn't too great. Sometimes there was questions. Sometimes there was problems. But a lot of times there was a lot of profit. There was a lot of growth. There was a lot of benefit that came from that relationship. And then Paul and Timothy, this relationship of Paul being this teacher of showing Timothy how to be a pastor, how to be a Christian, how to be a follower and a disciple <laughs> of Christ. There's different kinds of relationships. We see familial in that. We see marriage, romantic relationships. We see the mentor and the mentee. Friendship, Job. And then also Jesus was friends with the disciples. We also see these co this co-worker aspect. The disciples were almost co-workers. They were working together for the kingdom. All kinds of different relationships that is explored in the Bible. That is relationships that we experience every day. They're all important. All the relationships that I just mentioned are important. Because without them, the plan of Christ is not fulfilled. But they all point to something else. All these relationships play a major part in God's plan for mankind. In making them, bringing them to the point that they were supposed to be in. Either it's through creation with Adam and Eve, or, or we look at other relationships, how it continues to grow. The Israelites, the, the relationship between Abraham and Isaac was very important for that, and establishing who they were and how they viewed things. And, and these relationships are very important for teaching us other aspects of, of God's love, of who He is, of how we should treat others. So relationships are very important to God. And sometimes we don't realize that. Sometimes we treat our relationships in life very casually. Sometimes we don't think that they have much significance. That they don't have very much weight beyond maybe today or maybe this job. Maybe this class. Maybe this, you know, this time and that we're in the line at, at the grocery store or whatever. But the relationships that we have are important. And they all hold significance. And they all bear weight. And they all have a purpose if we would treat them right. I think if we can focus on the relationship that Jesus had with his disciples, we can honestly say that Jesus is one of his priorities on this earth was building relationships. He chose these disciples to build a relationship with them and through building a relationship with them, building them. Amen. And I'm thankful that he chooses to do that with that as well. But I found through Scripture and I found in life that we are better when we come together. 
I think that that's obvious. I mean, there's been so many different ad campaigns that use that better together. Different sports team, we're better together. Schools, better together. You know, all kinds of things, we are better together. And, and, that, and that's really the honest, the goodness truth. We are better when we come together. There have been different religious groups all throughout history that have felt that the best way to, to get to God, the most effective way to become holier, the, the best way to, to get closer to God is isolation. It, it's, it's just pulling away, just pushing away everything and everyone that's part of the world or outside of, of yourself and just you solely focusing on God and nothing else in your life. And that really isn't the, the model that Jesus describes in Scriptures. Now, I'm not saying that seasons are... are of quiet times, seasons of reflection where you're just alone are not good. Those are beneficial and those can help you grow. But we are not made solely for aloneness, solely for isolation. We are made for relationship. God said this to Abraham, it is, or, or said this about Adam, it is not good for man to be alone. And that statement is just as true today as it was thousands of years ago in, in the Garden of Eden. This scripture illustrates really some of the benefits of healthy relationships. It talks about when two come together, their work has a good reward. This good reward just means a better outcome. We're capable of more together. Amen. We're more productive together. I think, I know just from this past week, I've experienced that with our VBS program, that when we work together, we can do more. The idea of one or two people doing what we just did this, these past couple of days would be insurmountable. It would be impossible. I, I just do not see how one or two people could do what our, our group of people, our group of volunteers that came together and did this week, one or two people could not do that. We can do more together. We are more productive together. We can accomplish more together. We need to understand that we oftentimes have the idea that I can do this by myself. Men have a, a strong a strong tendency to lean this way with whatever project at home or, or whatever things going on. I can do I don't need to call the plumber. I can do this. And then 48 hours later, after 12 trips to Ace, you finally call the plumber and it costs four times as much as it would have if you just asked for help in the first place. We need people. We can accomplish more with other people than when we try to do it by ourselves. But it's, it's a hard tendency to, to shake. But we also, we, we have help when we are in need. It says in the one, one verse, it says, When they fall, there is one there to help them up. When we're, when we're in a difficult situation, when we come up short, when things are falling apart all around us, when we fall, when we have other relationships that are a part of our life, that, we've, that we're really growing, that are healthy relationships, we have somebody there that can help us up. I, I've oftentimes wondered how people that push everybody away, how they deal with life whenever things get hard. How do they deal with life when, when, things, when their plans fall apart and when all their aspirations don't come through? How, how do they deal with things when they have no relationships besides themselves? If you read the verses before what we read, uh, Solomon is really, he's talking about aloneness. He says there, if there was a man that, that all by himself that pushed away everybody else and he, he worked all his days and he earned all this money, he would eventually come to ask himself basically, you know, what, what have I done all this for? That's a, that's a general paraphrase of what Sol, Solomon's saying. And then he goes into and says two is better than one. 
He's saying, you know, by yourself, you, you do, might do everything, you might try everything, but things eventually are going to come to a place where you need somebody else to help you up. Or maybe you need somebody to comfort you. It says when two lie down together, basically when it's cold and they like come together, they can warm each other, they can comfort each other. So do we comfort one another with the loss of a parent or a child or a friend. And we have a relationship there, a, a person in the church or a neighbor that we can come together and they can comfort us. Maybe it's a, something going wrong in, in the marriage or something going wrong at home. And man, you just, you just are, are broken, distraught about it. And you can come and, and find comfort if you have these healthy relationships uh, around you. We oftentimes like to act tough and, and like to act like we don't, we don't need anybody's help or we like to act like that, that we can get through this by ourselves. But we need each other's comfort. We need to, to be open to, to coming to people and, and seeking a shoulder to cry on, seeking somebody to, to grieve with, seeking somebody to, to come for advice and comfort in the in darkness of life because things get hard. And that's one of the reasons that we need to build healthy relationships in our church and in our communities. But we're safer together. What's always the saying? Every time, every time I took a class in, in college, they would start off the thing that if it, if it was not class, they'd say, you know, if you want somebody to walk with you to your car, you know, they, they had these security guards that you could call and say that you'd be safer with somebody else. It's not a foreign idea to think that you're safer with other people. There's a reason that when people went to war, they tried to have as many people on their side as they could because you're safer with relationships and people around you. That's true in today's world. We are safer. Not only safer in the physical sense, but we're safer in the spiritual sense. My, my, my propensity to fall, my propensity to sin, my propensity to, to, to mess up and, and go against God's Word, it decreases when I have somebody there to protect me. When I have somebody there to keep me accountable, to, to hold me up, to lift me up, to keep me safer from the things that the enemy may try to do and throw against me. When I have somebody there to help me. I, my spiritual life is safer when I have healthy relationships around me. Right. So this scripture illustrates four ways that, that we are capable of more together. We, we can have help in times of need. We have comfort in times of loss or sorrow or suffering. But we are safer physically and spiritually when we have healthy relationships. But those are not the only benefits of building good relationships in your life, in your community, in your church. I think of this. Her, many times our expectation, my expectation, I'll say that, my expectation of, of what it looked like when somebody came to God um, was often very misplaced. Here's what I would think. I would think that somebody would be driving up and down the road and then they'd just have an emotional compelling, I need to go to church. They'd pull into the church where they knew nobody and they'd come and sit down amongst all these strangers and they'd hear a sermon on, on a topic that they've probably never heard before in their life or heard very little about. And then all of a sudden they would feel compelled to come and pray a prayer now that happens but more often than not if you look at the model that Jesus prescribes and how he lives it out he would foster a connection with somebody in the community and through that connection he would ultimately point back to his father and that was how they were introduced to the Lord I'm not saying that people cannot be moved in such a way in, in, in a supernatural way to come that happens and I'm thankful that that happens but the thing about those two options is one of them removes us. And we like that. 
We like it when we can remove ourselves from the situation and put it solely on Jesus' shoulders. You've got to save them. You've got to bring them, Lord. You've got to clean them. You've got to save them. You've got to do everything. But Jesus doesn't want to remove us from the, from the situations. He wants to inject us into the situations. He wants to put us right there in the heat of it, building those relationships, making those connections, going to people and, and, and helping them see that they are cared for, that they are loved, that they are cherished, that somebody is on their side. And then through that, pointing back to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But we do, we, we like to remove ourselves because it's easier to remove myself and say, well, there's nothing I can do than to say, hey, maybe there is something I can do and I've just not done it. Because one takes, puts it on me, or gives me responsibility in it, and the other takes all the responsibility away. We are better when we come together. Not just myself, but the world around us. It's better when we put ourselves in it. We all the times we go to the scripture, we're supposed to be a, a separated people. And say, we like to say, well, that means that I shouldn't be around anybody else. Besides just church people. But that's, not, that's taking it out of context. That's misinterpreting the idea and the true thought of what the scripture is. I'm supposed to be different amongst the norm. I'm supposed to rise above all the things that would pull me down. Not hide from it. Not run from it. Not avoid it necessarily but to trust in God to put me, help me to rise above those things so that the world around can see Christ through me. We're better. The world is better when we go out and we build the relationships and we come together with them and show them who Jesus is. But I think a lot of times what we ask is, who should we build relationships with? Uh, maybe we're confused. I know in school... Um, Contrary to what you may believe, I was not a very social person. Didn't talk to people. I went and sat under a tree, usually for most outdoor periods. And I usually sat at the front of the class where I wouldn't have to have anybody else around me. I could just avoid them all. I was just not, not very good around people. It just wasn't me. And I, But when I looked for people, I, w I was very specific on, on who I'd want to be a friend. And that's why I only had a few friends in school. Okay? Now, I'm not saying that's a bad thing necessarily, but I think sometimes we limit our sphere of people that we have relationships with because we view the world through a very narrow lens that God has not given us. So who should we build relationships with? The easy answer is everyone. They asked uh, the master one time, they said, Lord, who is my neighbor? And he basically raised down and says, everybody's your neighbor. So who should I build a relationship with, Lord? Everybody. But let's be a little bit more specific with it. You should have relationships in your life with people that you agree with wholeheartedly. That align with everything that you think, scripturally, everything from the top to the bottom. But you should also have relationships with people who totally disagree with you. Because how can they know a different opinion, or how can you know a different opinion, unless you build relationships with people that have different opinions? There's a man named Daryl Davis, an African-American man in his 50s, so um, musician. And he has made a, uh, an effort in his life to build relations with people that are part of groups that do not like him. Ku Klux Klan and other groups. 
And he's built those relationships. And he's, he's fostered those relationships. And he's become friends with these people that believe and think totally differently than he does. And he's helped them see different things. And, and he's grown as well, he said. So should we desire to build relationships with people that are opposites to us? Because here's what happens. Here's what Daryl says. He says, when I give them a platform to tell me what they think, ultimately then they give me a platform to tell them what I think. We like to be the people, this evangelistic mentality of, I want to go to somebody, tell them everything about Jesus, and walk away and say, I did my, my godly duty. We don't have conversations. We just preach at people. I had one person early on in my ministry said, are you preaching at people or are you preaching to them? Because there's a difference. At is, an, is an, almost like an attack. It's, it's just very confrontational. To is a conversation. And there's a difference in how you do that and there's a difference in your success rate on how you handle that. And we need to think about those things. If you look at Jesus, he had conversations with people. With his disciples. Whenever they, they had things going on, when, when James and John said, no, Lord, we want to be on your right hand whenever you uh, get into heaven and everything, he, he didn't just say no. He had a conversation with them. But who is greater amongst you? There was conversation. We should desire to have conversation with people that are totally opposite than us. <coughs> We also should uh, desire to, to go and, and we should have somebody in our life that we are growing from that is teaching us and somebody that we are teaching. This is the Paul, Barnabas, and Timothy idea. Paul had somebody he was walking with. He, was, he had Barnabas. They were about in the same place in life, same point in their journey. But Paul was teaching Timothy, and that's what we need. We need to have somebody that we are learning from. Timothy was learning from Paul. And we need to have somebody that we're teaching. Paul was teaching Timothy. And we need to have relationships with people that are in the similar places in our life. If you're a young parent, you should have relationships with young parents that are going through similar things. But you should also have a relationship with older parents that know what they're talking about and relationships with potential parents so that you can help prepare them for what they're about to go through. We should be learning from some relationships, teaching in others, and walking and assisting in others. We should have relationships of all those kinds. But we also should be building relationships with people that we already have relationships with. Too many times we think building relationships means to start a relationship, get it to a certain point where we're pretty good acquaintances, and then we leave it. But we should continue to build the relationships that we already have. Too many times that's the fault in, 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 in people with, with kids and stuff. Is they, they, they become pretty good with their kids, but they, at some point they stop building that relationship with them. Or maybe it's your neighbor. You know them pretty good. You know their name. You might know what they drive. You might know what some of their likes are. You might know what they cook on the barbecue every couple of days. But you not not have a really established relationship with them. Build that relationship. Grow it. Husbands and wives should continue to grow their relationship with their spouse. It shouldn't get to a point where they think, well, we've got a good relationship. We can stop growing it now. We can stop tending to it. We can stop investing in it. There should never be a point where you stop investing in a relationship. You should continue to desire to see it grow. Become more of what God wants it to be. 
become more fruitful, to become more godly, to become more holy, to help the other person grow or for you to continue to grow. But we shouldn't just start a relationship, but we should continue to build the relationships that we have. But we should start relationships with new people as well. Because a lot of times we get in a situation where we're like, man, I, I like these couple people that I sit around at church, or I like these couple people that, that I work with, that I work really close to. I like this person that lives on my right side. I like this person that lives across the street. I, I've got enough relationships in my life right now. I don't need to start any new ones. But that's not what we're called to do. Jesus went everywhere. And he never said, hey, I, I just I worked, I'm, I worked with somebody across the Sea of Galilee the other day, and I helped somebody, and I fed these 5,000, so I can't feed your 5,000. And I, I helped this person, I, I healed this person, I rose Lazarus from the grave, so I can't, I can't raise this person from the grave. He didn't say that. Every person he came across, he started and built a relationship with. Because he knew that ultimately he was here to make those connections with people. And we as well are here to make those connections with people. Now our relationships are going to be on different levels. They're going to be uh, they're going to grow faster or slower. They're going to sometimes we'll have relationships that are really deep. Sometimes we'll have relationships that are really shallow. But we should continue to pour in and grow and invest in relationships. They will not grow. Relationships will never grow unless you do put your time and effort in them. How many times have you? Look back and maybe that person that you're best friends with in high school or, or somebody that you were really close to or somebody that you had a good relationship with at one point in your life. And, and just over time, you both stop putting effort in it. You both stop putting time into it. You stop calling or you stop messaging or you stop meeting or whatever. And now it's five, six years later and you're like, man, where did that relationship go? It ended because the effort stopped. The time put into it went away. We should invest time and effort into the relationships that we have in our life. That God has blessed us with. Because if we view each relationship as a gift from God, which it truly is, then we would handle it differently. But how many times do we view our relationships as burdens? Things that are just make it a bother. Me and Terribly ordered from DoorDash the other day. Um... If you don't know, DoorDash is basically, they bring you your food from wherever you want to. Okay? So we tried this thing out. Pretty spiffy. They pulled up in their nice little car. I went on the porch. They gave me my food. I went inside and ate it. It was nice. But our world has come up with so many different ways for us to avoid interaction. And they have their benefits. Not saying that. That you don't that DoorDash is sinful. I'm not. I ate from it and I plan on ordering from it again sometime. But if we look for ways to avoid interactions instead of looking for ways to grow our interactions, then we've missed it what Christ has tried to teach us. But we are meant to build them. We are meant to start them and grow them, to bear fruit from them, to see souls saved from them, to see us grow, to see them grow. To make the world a better place through these relationships. So, close. I want to say this. Um, so this time last year, there's just a lot of uncertainty about COVID-19 and everything, and we didn't know a lot about it. So we weren't we weren't able to meet. You know, we had some 
you know, spit iffy spots and, and things. So, so we took the safe route. Um, but many of us developed a greater appreciation for our community and relationships that we had at that point. We would uh, had a greater desire to be around people when we couldn't be around people. And there were a lot of things said or thought or posted, maybe promises made during that time that we'd never take family, we'd never take church, we never take our community for granted again. But sadly, it feels like that zeal has faded away just as quickly as it came. So let us not lose that urgency to commune with our fellow man that came from that period in history. Whatever we think of that period, there are lessons that we can learn from it. And I think the biggest one that, I, that God wants us to learn from is that relationships are important. Community is important. Church is important. Gathering is important. So as things get better, thank the Lord, let's, let's not revert back to who we were before. Let us desire to be better than that. Let us desire to build more relationships in this new season. Let us desire to foster community more in this season. Let us desire to reach out more in this season. To connect more in this season. To know more new people in this season. To reach across, you know, in, in churches and, and find new people that maybe we don't really know. Let's know them in this new season. The family that maybe we've, we've isolated or they've isolated. Let's reach out to them in this new season. The neighbor that you just never, never really took the effort to get to know. Get to know them in this season. Let us build relationships in this season. Because we don't know what time we have. And I'm not going to stand here and thump the pulpit and say, it's the end of times, get ready. I don't know and you don't know. But I know I have today. And I pray I'll have tomorrow. Let us build the relationships that we can. Let us grow what we can. Let us tend to what we can today. And God will benefit it. God will bless it. God will grow it more than we could ever imagine. But let us build those relationships. I am I'm thankful for the relationships I have in my life. Um... Man, I'm, I'm very thankful for these past few days I've had at VBS. I feel like I've, uh, I've developed and grown the relationships with, with our volunteers, those that have helped in, in different ways. I've got to know you more. I, I've got to spend more time with you. I've got to, to learn some of your gifts and abilities and, and things that you like and things that you do well and things that maybe you don't enjoy. I, I, I've got to learn more about you, and I hope that you, you've learned more about me. But, but we need to... Make the concerted effort to build these relationships. The youth did a craft part of EBS. 
Um, uh, our, our theme, if you hadn't guessed, was under the ocean. Okay. Um, so they talked about how a fish has many scales, and and each scale is a little bit different. That a scale is like a fingerprint. It's it's it's, it's unique in its own right and in own character. I think I pulled this from Shannon's in, in Julie's class actually, and um, and how that all of these work together to to make the fish what it is. Just so so is the church. Just so is our life. It it takes all number of relationships to to make us who we are, to make our church who it is. It takes all number of diverse and differently shaped and looked and colored and relationships in our life to really make us who it is that God's desire for us to be. So let's start adding scales to our fish. Let's start adding different people into our circle that we might have. Maybe a circle that's been closed off for a season. Maybe a circle that we've not added anybody new into for a long time. Maybe a circle that that's very sheltered and armored and, and defensive because of things that have happened before. Let's add new people to our circles. In church, you might think we just, you know, have a, a you know, don't have a huge number coming. I, surely I know everybody that that I go to church with, but not so. We'd be surprised who we think we know that we don't know. There's things that I've sat in church with with people that all my life, and then later if I'd grow up and I'd sit down with them at dinner or something like that, and I'd find out something, I was like, I never knew that about you. And I thought I knew everything there was to know about this person. So let's grow our circle. To the, maybe the person in front of you, the person beside you, the neighbor, the, the person that you work with that in the cubicle next door that you just don't really, you know that they sneeze a lot and you know that they're, you know, like that stinky tuna fish and you know that, that they have pictures of their cats all over their cubicle. Get to know them more. Let's build those relationships. Let's build those relationships. Amen.